This week on the NetApp Tech on Tap podcast, we bring in Mr. Snap Center, John Spinks, to talk about the 1.1 release of the product and what new features we can expect. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi and sitting next to me is... Glenn Sizemore. It is Glenn Sizemore again. Like clockwork. Like every time it is Glenn Sizemore. Hey, this is the first time in several weeks that we've all been in the same room together. It's true. Holy crap, we all are here. And that voice, of course, is... Andrew Sullivan. There we go. And sitting next to Andrew is... John Spinks, back on the podcast again. Thank you guys for having me. Spinks. John yeah, Spinks. You got a haircut, a shave, just so I all the that. listeners, I'd be in you know good presentable shape for them. We yeah. All, yeah. Glenn and I also shaved. Yeah. Sully, I don't know what happened over here. Apparently you didn't get the menu the 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 memo. Beards are out, man. I was told I have to trim mine for this weekend. We're having Easter pictures. You are family, a dirty so hipster. I, I have to uh, Where's your PBR? <laughs> I have flannel. To be, <laughs> to be presentable. I have to look uh, you know. I don't have to look presentable for work, just just for you know the pictures. Yeah, you know, talking in front of Fortune 10 customers, no big deal. But pictures with the wife, time to get clean. My beard is seasonal. I shave it off in the spring and wear it in the winter and fall for the rugged winter months of North Carolina. Oh, I've, no, I've already been through this. I made a terrible mistake. I never should have shaved. It was a bad idea. <laughs> I'm 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 regretting it, and it's coming back slowly. Your wife and kids like to say you know, Daddy, we can see your face now. Ah! Oh, my daughter traumatized me so hard. Yeah. I told this story a little bit last week, but yeah, oh, okay. she totally, she totally like, I, she walked in the house. She came home from school, walked in the house, and just had this look of like fear and confusion. <laughs> and it took her a good like thirty seconds to get the words out. It's like, oh no, this is a terrible idea. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, beards, they're awesome. I've got a guest one. Do, he do, do you, ah, guest beard. Do you want to borrow it, Justin? Uh, Are you feeling lonely? I think I need to talk in that after Amy got hair in her mouth. Dude, I did the whole show with this thing. Did you? Okay, I did. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, Give it. It's, it's not that hard. Let's do it. Yeah, here you go. It's great radio for the, the listeners so. at home as uh, Justin puts on a fake beard. That didn't work. She puts go. it on very poorly, by the way. It's yeah. not that hard. Okay. This didn't come with an instruction manual or a technical report. Okay, so John. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Justin, you couldn't be here last week. Uh, you were quite busy. I uh, was quite busy. I was lucky enough to be an attendant of the storage field day at NetApp headquarters last week, where basically we get a bunch of tech dele- um, uh, delegates. Sorry. Oh. You can't concentrate with that thing on, can you? Pass it to me. I'll get it. Oh, yeah. Hold on. All right. Where we get tech influencers to come and listen to us talk about all of our cool NetApp stuff, which is what we did. We had Dave Hitz. We had Dave Wright. We had Joe Caradonna. They all gave the NetApp sales pitch, basically to let the tech influencers know that we are doing good things and that we are making sure that we are keeping the ship afloat with New and innovative ideas. So that was our whole spiel last week. I was able to sit there. I live blogged it. I also did some interviews uh, there with Chris Evans, Stephen Foskett, and Enrico Signoretti, three of the influencers. Oh, that's fantastic. You want to let's go ahead and cue that up for the listener. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. We'll go ahead and play those interviews and uh, see what they had to say about what the what they thought about the overall storage field day at NetApp. This past week, the Tech on Tap podcast was fortunate enough to be invited to NetApp headquarters in Sunnyvale, California, for Storage Field Day 9. This was NetApp's first presentation at the event in several years, so it was a big deal that we were inviting these tech influencers in to deliver the current NetApp strategy and messaging. After the event, we headed out to Mezcal for a dinner, where I was able to snag three of the Storage Field Day delegates to discuss the impression NetApp had. In this interview, I talked to the founder of Tech Field Day, Stephen Foskett, as well as Enrico Signoretti of Juku IT, and Chris Evans of The Storage Architect. All right, Tech on Tap podcast is here live at Storage Field Day. We are at a Mexican restaurant called Mezcal, 
And it is the evening after the Storage Field Day guys came over and were on the NetUp campus. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about Storage Field Day. We're going to see what they thought about the presentation. And we'll just go from there and see where the conversation leads us. So I'll start off with the guy who started all this Storage Field Day stuff, Stephen Foskett. Hi, Stephen. Hello. I'm glad to be here with you. So, Stephen, can you give us a little bit of history about Storage Field Day, you know, kind of where it started and what got you the idea to, to carry this sort of thing out? So, Tech Field Day started out in uh, late 2009, and uh, people like me who are writing and speaking about technology uh, found that uh, we re needed a better way to connect with the companies that we covered. So, you know, companies like NetApp, you know, I, I write about storage. Um, you know, it wasn't so effective to try to run into them at a trade show or something because, you know, they're there for a different reason. So we decided, uh, you know, Chris was uh, in on this conversation from the very beginning. We decided to have an event that focuses on people who write and speak about technology and have a nice, long, in-depth conversation with people who really know their stuff within those companies. So we launched Tech Field Day. Um, we've been doing it uh, for, you know, ever since, six years. Uh, we started Storage Field Day uh, after three years. Uh, this is the ninth event, so it's uh, great to have NetApp back. We actually had Dave and NetApp uh here um, five years ago, I think. So it's great to be back. So five years is kind of a long time. I mean, it's, it's good that we got back. So what did you guys think of the overall event? And I'll start off with Enrico uh, Signoretti, right? Yeah. So Enrico Signoretti, if you could tell us a little bit about what you do and what you thought about today's event. Yeah, so I have a blog, and uh, primarily a storage blog, again, and my, my content is also syndicated on, on the register. And actually, so that... Um, what I think about the event in general, so Storage Field Day, is great for me because I have the um, I have this opportunity to meet uh, with um, with all these great people in the industry and talk about storage, have the latest insights. So I'm very happy when Stephen invites me, and even today was really great. So usually it's difficult to have a, a very great session from a large company. Because you know, marketing is much more precise than a small company. It's harder to get the, the right people. But today we got the two Daves. Okay, Dave Eats and Dave Wright. Dave Wright, and and actually was great. So we got the two point of views from the yeah, the founders of both. Yeah, it's incredible. And, um, nice, nice session. Great energy. Great questions, and they. They were really, really also humble. I was really surprised about some of the answers and some of the. Oh, that's great. I, I think I think that um, probably uh, I, I also got some news or some uh, you know some confirmation about uh, the future of the of what will happen in uh, in, in the near future for for Solid File and Atap. Really good. How long have you been doing the storage field day stuff? I mean, you, you said you read a blog at uh, Juku.it, right? Yeah. So how long have you been doing the, the storage field day stuff? Well, I think this is the 11th uh, for me. Yeah. So many times. Okay. Two, three times a year, uh, maybe more. And, uh, you know, I'm traveling from Italy. So for me, it's a, it's a long travel. But I can never say no to Stephen. Because I know the content, I, I know the no, I know the quality of the speaker. Sometimes you get bad session, always happens. But it's great. So being a blogger and having the opportunity to to be here is always great. All right. So uh, last but not least, Chris Evans. So I've actually had internet arguments with Chris Evans. I don't think he knows that, but uh, we, we've had our internet discussions before, and it usually centered around NetApp and the misconceptions that I feel like some of the tech influencers may have had. And to be fair, that's been on us for not making that message clear. So, given that, today, what did you find that was a misconception you had that maybe was cleared up a little bit, or something you didn't know about NetApp that you learned today that was impressive to you? So, yeah, you're probably right. We probably have had conversations that have been less than positive, but then, you know, that's part of the internet, that's part of... Twitter and everything else that we do. Um, I think the good thing about today has been the openness, the ability for us to have conversations and ask tough questions without it feeling like we're being awkward and, for, and to get good responses from people like Dave Hitz. 
the benefit of that is it's demonstrated that NetApp looks like it's a company that's changing, that realizes that there's work that needs to be done in terms of either engaging with people or developing products. And I think actually overall it makes it really positive for the company because I can now go in and write really positive stuff. I really feel I can go away and say, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a really positive vibe about the company. And to be fair, I mean, the arguments were always civil. It wasn't like we were at each other's throats. I mean, you know, it was a discussion about what you thought about things versus what I thought about things. But today, you know, what sort of thing did you learn specifically about NetApp that you hadn't known before and something that you were, you were interested in the most? Yeah, that, and that's a good question. So I think um, some of the focus on data mobility, some of the focus on management. So, and I'm not sure how much you got of that, but that was Dave Henry back behind me uh, giving us a lovely um, monologue. Um, I think what I what I learned really was the fact that NetApp um, is developing their products to actually be more focused on data more focused on the customer and what they actually want to do with their data. They're certainly more focused on the cloud and things like the fabric um, discussion, the data fabric actually is real, it's not just pie in the sky. And I think that all of that is really, really useful. So I think uh, what I saw today is a confirmation of a trend that started uh, maybe one year ago. And uh, so NetApp is no longer the on-top company. So now you are building different product lines. You are doing a nice work integrating different technology, but not uh, thinking only one way. So they are living their own lives. So each single product line uh, is, uh, is doing its job, and they are getting integrated at the high level. So one, one interesting thing to me was the use of Snap Mirror as a protocol to interconnect everything was was something really really new. Okay, yeah, I know that uh, this is a concept that it's uh, it's not new. It's uh, data fabric is something that uh, you, you are talking about uh, data fabric for at least one year, probably more. But now you are start seeing the results of this strategy, and I think it's so. I I. I'm really changing my mind about uh, NetApp. Steven, you got anything for us here? No, no, you don't want to give any any input here? You want to be the neutral party? I, I know everything about NetApp. I, I, uh, actually, here, here's, here's a funny thing. I was one of NetApp's first customers. I, uh, I bought a filer uh, back in 96 uh, um, or thereabout. Uh, and uh, I've been keeping up with the company ever since. So it's, uh, it's really, really cool to be able to be here. Uh, and, and it's really cool for me to meet like Dave Hitz because I've known him, known in quotes, uh, known of him for, you know, what, 20 years now? That's incredible, you know? So have you read his book, the bull castration <laughs> book? Yeah. We were actually just talking about that. Um, can we say that on a podcast? So let's back up a little bit, because I didn't actually properly introduce Chris. I just, I just kind of led into the, I know Chris. You guys probably don't know Chris. Chris Evans, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So, um, originally I was very much a consultant um, and have done that for a long time, so I've been in the industry almost 30 years, which um, seems quite amazing some days. Um, more recently, um, I've worked, I guess, with vendors and I've done a lot of online stuff, I'm moving into a lot more blogging, um, <clears throat> and, and that seems to be where the focus is of what I do these days. And, you know, working with companies to help them either message stuff or, or generally get the message out about other companies in an independent way. So I'm, I'm actually a big fan of all you guys. I mean, I follow you guys on Twitter, I read your blogs. You guys all have a very deep level of knowledge. The, the only thing I ever had a problem with is when there was misconceptions, of course. We always iron that out just fine. But, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be able to talk to you guys. I'm glad you guys were able to come out and listen to what NetApp had to say and that maybe we helped change your minds like Enrico, you know, Enrico was saying. Um, anything else you want to add? I mean, you know, I think the fact that you're even doing this and we're, and we're having this conversation is a good sign about the way the company is intending to go. So we just have to keep these conversations up. That's, that's the key message. Yeah, for me the same. So keeping up with the conversation is really important. Knowing how the company is evolving is also really important. And 
that's it. And uh, yeah, NetApp really brought the the high powered guys to this to, to this session. I think that's the one thing that really struck out most to me was uh, that you know looking around the table, the guys who are around the table. I mean, I these are all people that I respect, and um, and there they are, you know, and and that was impressive. That was impressive. I also want to say that uh, if people want to see the conversation. They can go to youtube.com slash techfieldday or just Google techfieldday netapp and they'll probably find it. Yeah, I also live blogged the entire event all the way down to, ha to Howard spilling his coffee. We've got a picture of the aftermath of that. That was, that was a good moment. Um, that's going to go down in storage field day history, I think. All right, guys, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, thanks for taking some time to talk to us. We'll have this podcast up for you to listen to. I'll be sure to tweet out links to all of you. And uh, thanks again so much. All right, that was pretty good stuff. Uh, I was a little under the weather while I was there. I had actually I had a fever all week. <laughs> a little? Did you have like typhoid or something? I think I did. Yeah, I was I was like feverish for a few days and delirious, and my throat was all like, "Hey guys." Well, if I recall the schedule, wasn't NetApp one of the first companies that the delegates were coming to visit? No, they were um, they were like one of the second or third, maybe. I don't know. They're middle middle of the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so all those so so you got them sick, and then they I went did. and got everyone else sick. It, it, it worked. Is, yeah, it's yeah. you know the tech industry is a very close knit uh, industry, and we want to make sure that we share a lot of things. I am getting beard in my mouth now. Yeah, you, you can take the fake beard off. <laughs> <coughs> oh man, that yeah, I could see why Amy was spitting out beard hair that day. <laughs> <laughs> Does does this mean that you two have like kissed? No, because you, then you've, that you've no. shared the same beard. No, no, I wore that beard too, and I did not kiss <laughs> Justin. You stop that right now. <coughs> that beard did not taste like bacon. Uh, what was your opinion of of the mood? Because because I'm interested in, in in this, Justin. Watching it from afar, as I did, I I didn't get a chance to watch it live. Mm -hmm. We were actually sitting in here recording last week uh, when. Uh, Dave Wright was was getting up to do his speak uh, or his speech. We got to catch most of Dave hits, but we missed Dave Wright uh, and all of Joe Caradonna stuff. I, I, I went home and watched it later on. Um, it looked like the room took it very positively and, and was very, very open to the message. And, and, and for the first time, honestly, in a couple of years, actually comprehended what we've been trying to tell them we were working on. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with the tech influencers, um, they're a group of bloggers and storage consultants out there that are well-respected in the industry by you know customers and vendors alike. Um, and what they do is they, they try to extrapolate what a vendor's message is and, and yeah. you know, figure out what the marketing is versus what the actual technical aspect is. Some of them were not, you know, are, have not been too kind to the overall NetApp story, and I I've always felt like it's been just a matter of perception. They didn't understand what we were trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. That can happen for two reasons. That can happen because you didn't understand it because I, I you, you just didn't understand it. Or it can happen because I didn't tell you the right way to understand it, right? So I feel like it was a little bit of both. I Absolutely. I feel like NetApp yeah. wasn't doing a good job of getting that message out. And, you know, if you look at the data fabric as a whole and you look at what we did at Insight and how it became a reality with the demo – that was one of the key things of the of the overall storage field day. They did a demo of Data Fabric, and they had the same aha moment, like, "Oh, that's what you're trying to do, right?" So there was that. Um, some of the products they didn't know. They didn't yeah. know AltaVault existed in some. You know, they knew it existed as Steel Store, but they didn't know it was AltaVault now. So there was that. Um, just basically clearing up some of the misconceptions they had about NetApp, uh, introducing them to some of the concepts and products we have. And I felt like it was pretty well received. Um, and really, what was the best received was the fact that Dave Hits was so candid. Always is. Like it was, they were just taken aback because they're so used to hearing like the you know the corporate spiel, the you know oh, you know birds and rainbows and puppy dogs. Yeah. But Dave was like straight out of the box, came out and was just swinging. I think that's a bit of getting back to what. You know, we'll go ahead and, and attach to a meme here. We're gonna make NetApp great again. <laughs> um, but 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 that that it's 
we hear it at Insight. You know, we go to Insight, and and you know, we're, this is a, a podcast full of Insight presenters. John, you know, you were joining us last year when we did the crawl after we were done presenting. Um, the the we hear it from the attendees every single year. It's the candor. It's the openness. It's the fact that we'll sit down with you and say, "Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. That's not going to work very well." And here's why. Um, that that's not something that that quite frankly you get all the time across the industry. Although it's not. Uh, completely unique to us you know there there are yeah, other companies absolutely. that behave that way absolutely but yeah i'll agree with that dave got back to those roots you know he didn't he didn't try to hide anything here's the decision we made here's why we made it it made sense to us at the time and yeah perhaps we were a little slow on this that and this but we got a ton of smart people and we've been working our ass off and man do we have some progress to show you yeah and dave wright followed it up after the you know the first two with that reinforcement of that culture, which is what Solid Fire kind of brought back. It's like a, yeah. a reinvigoration, right? So, and he did his whole, you know, top lies of flash storage. I loved that, that was presentation. Fantastic. Um, and, you know, it, it made sense and, and they ate it up. I mean, the influencers loved it, or they seemed to love it at least. You, know, you never know till the blogs come out, of course. Absolutely. But, you know, what I noticed about the room was there wasn't a lot of hard questions and they ask, they ask hard questions when they're not engaged like they don't feel like that things aren't being told the right way yeah the other thing is is social media right so during the whole social media thing you could tell how much people like it based on a how much they're tweeting whether it's good or bad and b what are they saying and the snark level was really low with this group and they're a very snark filled bunch of guys right so if they're not being super snarky out there and they're just you know Throw, you know, throwing insults and jabs on social media, then you know you're not doing a good job. But you know they were mostly positive. They were giving out some, you know, some tidbits of what was actually going on in real time. And I thought it went over well overall. I mean, I think it was well received, and I think that you'll keep seeing that with the blogs good. that come out. Do we get? Uh, and, and I assume we did our normal NetApp thing. You know, after we turn off the cameras, we grab them in the back and just pick their brains for as much feedback as we can find. Yeah, I mean, we did a little bit of that. We also um, we had a lunch afterwards with them, and then uh, the interview I actually did was at a dinner they had, and I didn't realize this. The dinner I thought the dinner was going to be only NetApp, but it was actually everybody that had participated in Storage Field Day. So you you got to see some of the awkward like people standing next to each other, like, "Oh, I didn't know you were going to be here," kind of thing. But do you see Pedro? Uh, I did. I did. I ran to Pedro and Nick Howell, and it was like the reunion of podcast guys. Oh, crap. All right. There's, we'll a, there's to... a photo floating out there, and we also we also did an interview. Um, so we'll have to cue that up at some point. Okay. Play it for you guys. But yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for uh, for representing the podcast out there last week and, and bringing uh, a little bit of the, the experience home to the listeners. Yeah, I was just trying to be on my best behavior. Yeah, I can imagine with with two founders less than twelve feet. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, star power at that thing, and I was yeah, no, was yeah. not throwing spitballs. I did not want to go. Let's just put it that way. I looked at it and said, "No, you have fun with that, Mister Parisi. I will be it. right here in RTP." It was good times. Good times. All right, uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, John, did you get a chance to uh, check out Storage Field Day? Have you watched uh, the recording I yet? yet? I have been heads down with uh, what we're about to talk about. Oh, that's right. You do have something, don't you? Yeah. You're not just in here because we like you. Yeah, you only invite me when I've got something to say. That's not, which, well, yeah, that's mostly true. Yeah, okay. I really don't have much to, well, I'm on the phone so much, I don't think I can say I don't have much to say. Yeah, I sit right next to you, John. You're you're always on the phone. I, it, it, well, I would just like to say John has been sitting for about 25 minutes, and so far he's taking it very well. Um, we <laughs> promised him a standing mic next last time, and and well, we still don't have a standing mic. I thought so. about asking for it, but I mean, technically, you could stand up. You just change the angle of the mic. That, no, don't you dare stand yeah, up. You happens. sound great right where you are. Okay, <laughs> that's that's enough banter. Uh, I think for this show, let's get into it. John, what are you here to talk to us today about? All right, we're just about to release Snap Center one dot one. Our next release of our latest data protection platform. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it should be live out there for you. And that's why I've been so heads down as we've been doing all the last steps leading up to the release and doing all the final testing. And uh, we are super excited to get this in front of our customers. So, so John, real quick, I know you've been on here before, but can you uh, can you introduce yourself, You know your role and the things that you're responsible for here at NetApp? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm John Spinks. I am TME for Snap Center as well as Snap Creator based out of our RTP office, of course. Been here for about eight years now. And uh, lately, most of my time is taken up by Snap Center, uh, which works with a, a variety of different applications. And I have to learn all that I can about 
all sorts of different things. So can I can I throw you under a bus and and tell everybody that you're also the uh, the Lotus and the Domino guy? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm also I actually started my career at NetApp eight years ago as the Domino guy, working with Snap Manager for Domino, and I helped retire that product and bring Snap Creator and a better plugin for Domino into Snap Creator. Yeah, but come on, you haven't gone. It's 2016. You've answered a DB2 or Lotus question, right? I actually had an EBC today for the customer that uh, was still running Domino and. Exactly. DB2 and yep. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Snap Creator's in the same boat, man. It's yeah. like gotta know a little bit about DB2 and MySQL and Postgres and MaxDB and on and on and on. It's 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 this thing that 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 Andrew and I just endlessly argue about on chat, where it's like there's the technology interest where you look at stuff like microservices and containers and, and next wave architectures and yeah, they're really compelling and they're really like interesting from a technology perspective. And then there's your job where you're supporting this industry that largely doesn't use any of that stuff. <laughs> yep. Databases still run most of the businesses around here. And, yeah. you know, that's the, the lifeblood. And, you know, these products are there to support those databases and to give us, you know, the application consistent snapshots, the cloning, the recovery. So, yeah, it's uh, still big business for us. And, you know, love talking to our customers about it. So with 1.0, we learned uh, that, that we, we were getting this new framework, uh, the, the Snap, Man- or Snap Center framework. Uh, it was next-gen Snap Manager, HTML5, uh, .NET MVC framework, highly scalable. PowerShell, yeah. Pa- lots of PowerShell. We were super ha- <laughs> up on PowerShell. Nah, nobody uses PowerShell. I'm going to throw it at you right now. <laughs> You're going to have to beep that out. Yeah, that 1.0 release primarily focused on Microsoft SQL Server. So it was essentially a next-generation Snap Manager for SQL. But the focus of that was actually the centralized server. So if you've got, you know, previously if you had 20 different SQL hosts, that's 20 different places you had to go and install SnapDrive and install Snap Manager. With Snap Center, you have the centralized console, and you can push out the plugins centrally from Snap Center itself and just manage everything from this central interface. So with 1.0, we shipped with the core server and two plugins. We had the, the Snap Drive plugin and the SQL Server plugin. Correct. So what does 1.1 add? Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned the packaging because one of the big changes we did for 1.1 is we've changed that packaging model. Oh, okay. Because in 1.0, usability-wise, what you had to do is download Snap Center and then download each of those plugins and then upload the plugins into Snap Center. And that was kind of unnecessary for us because, you know, the, the rationale for that originally was it would be easy to revise the plugins with that. You go to release a new version of the SQL plugin to support SQL Server, well, then you just have to go grab a plugin. You don't have to rev everything. Yeah. And that was a lot simpler when you think about it that way. But as we look to the future with Snap Center, we want to be able to support tons of different plugins and managing that would really be challenging for customers having to go and download 15 different plugins and then upload them. Just didn't seem like it'd be a something that we'd want to support. So what we did is package the plugins directly with Snap Center. So now when you install Snap Center, you get these plugin packages that are part of the Snap Center installer itself, and then we push out these as a package rather than individual plugins. So it's just something that's trying to simplify your life from a usability perspective. Okay. No, that makes total sense to me. You know, the the the, the first decision made sense to me. You know, decouple and then ship just uh, separately. You know, for the purpose, you, the the reason you raised. You know, it it lets you do out of band updates. Oh, Oracle needs an update right this second. Well, let's go ahead and bump that that out the door and and get that taken care of. But you're right. That does a, yep. a little bit of overhead to the administrative team because there's some extra steps in there and. Assuming it's something that we can handle on the back end with a, the, the technology, if we can just have one package that the customer has to think about, yes, they're downloading that package more often, you know, anytime anything's updated, but, but the process and, and the steps don't change. So it's much more scalable from an operations perspective. And the way we're doing it now is when you get that later version, say we add in a SnapCenter 1.2 that has a revised version of the Oracle plugin, which, spoiler, that's what we're going to talk about shortly is we go do that installation, we find out that, hey, there's no changes to the Snap Center server. There's no changes to the SQL side of things. There's no changes to the Windows plugin. Oh, wait, there's a change to this Oracle plugin. Well, that, that's the only change that we really deal with and involved. When you log into Snap Center next time, it says, hey, there's an update available, and you can push that out remotely to your hosts. Okay, so uh, we, 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 
I inadvertently apparently buried the lead there. Uh, is Oracle the the extent of uh, the 1.1 plugin additions? Yeah, I tossed the spoiler alert yeah. in there. So uh, for 1.1, we talked a little bit about the deployment models, but for 1.1, what we're really introducing is a new plugin, a Snap Center plugin for Oracle databases, and along with that, a Snap Center plugin for Linux. Uh, so what we are supporting for 1.1 is essentially Oracle database on Linux hosts, and Linux hosts include Red Hat, SUSE, and OEL, the uh, Oracle Linux. No Windows? No Windows for Oracle at this time. That mm. is going to come. So an interesting thing about SnapCenter 1.0 is we added the SQL plugin, but we didn't have full feature parity. There are a few uh, items that were missing with that SQL plugin. One mm. of those is the uh, migration mechanism that we've had for a long time, where you can yeah. move databases from you know, non-NetApp to NetApp or you know, within NetApp. Uh, we have added that back in as 1.1, so that's our biggest SQL enhancement but it's only in the command line right now. It's a PowerShell command line today. So we're going to enhance that in the GUI at a, a later point. But we wanted to make sure that something was there for you. Are you guys already working on adding the SQL on Linux? Yes, we have already talked about that and is already in the PRD. As soon as I found out about that, I sent our product manager an email and said, uh, so you are prior prioritizing this for the next release, right? So we are uh, already looking into getting that on the schedule. That's some forward thinking. I like it. That's I'm what telling I do you, man, here. not your daddy's Microsoft. That's Everybody right. keep uh, keep with the, the proclamations and 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 the predictions of who's going to win what. Like these guys aren't; they're playing for keeps, man. Yeah, they man. don't care anymore. But on the SQL side, you know, there were some parity gaps. We're yeah. addressing those. On the Oracle side, we have feature parity plus. Really, we support everything that we supported in Snap Manage for Oracle, <coughs> plus new features. What we don't have is platform parity. We're focusing on Linux today, and in the future, we're going to add okay. in Windows, AIX, Solaris. So we're focusing on the Linux right now, making sure we have all those parity items, and we're going to add in the other platforms in future releases. When we when we talk about uh, Red Hat, or sorry, when we talk about Linux support, um, you know, okay, so uh, Red Hat, SUSE, and Oracle Linux. Um, I know that you have additional support questions with this, but what about their derivatives? Do we care from a NetApp's perspective? Like somebody wanted to run this on CentOS, are we going to say no? What's our official support policy on that? Because I, I don't legitimately know. don't know. So my understanding of the official policy is, is if it's not on the matrix and you call into support, support will look at that matrix and say, hey, it's not on the matrix, even if it's a derivative like CentOS. So... The key then would be to submit feedback to the IMT guys saying, hey, let's get this qualified. We need to make sure we have it qualified in our matrix. They go through the process, get it qualified. Really what supported means that we qualified it. doesn't okay. mean it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that, that, that makes perfect sense. And that's actually why I asked the question specifically. Um, because a lot of people, in, I did this for years, which is why I started to ask this question. A lot of people, when they hear Red Hat, they assume that all of those derivatives, they hear SUSE, all of those derivatives, which there's a ton of them, are all just going to be cathered. And, and we're specifically saying, no, we've tested and support these three releases and, and all of the versions underneath them. That's where we're starting. Yep. I love the way you put that, though. We, we Feature complete, but platform dependent. That's a very, it's an interesting way to, to, to slice product development instead of you know, trickling the features out over the years, just saying, here's everything the product can do, but it, we've only tested it on the following platforms. Because typically it is your, your, the test side of things is where you're limited, not, not the, the ability to create new things. It's to test them and make sure that it all works. Yeah, and our product manager has a great slide that uh, <laughs> actually talks about exactly that. And it's, it's one of the better slides that I've seen that talks about, hey, we have this feature parity. It compares the SMO releases to the Snap Center releases, and it shows you visually that, hey, we not only have parity, we have additional features that never existed before. And then there's another chart that shows on the platform side, it says, hey, we've covered this entirely for Linux, but we haven't yet got the Windows, the AIX, and the Solaris, because those okay. are coming in the future. All right. Well, so so we've got the framework. We understand that the plugins are now even easier to distribute. We've got a small incremental update on the SQL side. By the way, stop apologizing because you don't have a GUI for that feature. You ship the database migration capability. It's okay that it's only a PowerShell I command line. I want it in the GUI. <laughs> Why? It's a function you run once. It's not no, something no, no. you do a thousand times. No, not the database migration, the actual moving your databases around. That's oh. actually something that's oh. used yeah. tons yeah. of times. And our, our support team, in fact, that's why it wasn't prioritized is because 
I think our product management team looked at it and went, people are going to use this once, what's the big deal? But when we started really delving into it, we were finding that our own support team was actually using that as part of troubleshooting. If you had multiple LUNs, they would move your, your databases in SQL from one set of volumes to another set and then check to see if they would still encounter the problems. And the problem uh -huh. cleared up, then it could be a problem, the configuration of those particular LUNs. The things you learn on a podcast when you <laughs> ask silly questions. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually attempting to, to systematically walk through this product poorly as I get stared at by my compatriots here. Um, I'm not even paying attention <laughs> You're to you. doing great. <laughs> you are. Sarcasm. Anyways. I am never sarcastic. We have platform support. I think it's time to actually dig into the features. Um, we've been having a lot of fun in this room for 20 minutes and just kind of cutting up because all the four of us get along very well. Um, but but you guys have been hard at work for six months? Six months. We're on a six-month cadence and nailing that cadence. That's so impressive. Yeah. Keep it up, man. Uh, through one, we're good. We'll see you six months from now. We'll, we'll, I'm going to hit you up at the end of the show and make you tell me what the next one's going to be. Uh, you don't have to answer that hey, right we've now. We've been working on it already. So just because yep. just because we finished one release doesn't mean we haven't already been working I, on the next. That's that's the stuff you, I would love to tell you. That's, that's how you build <laughs> products. To kill us. That's how you build products in this in the modern world if you want to be successful. Okay, so what features do we have when it comes to Oracle? So Oracle covers like many databases a variety of things, and for Oracle itself, I'm happy to say that we support Oracle, so standalone databases, Oracle Rack. Oracle ASM and Oracle Active Data Guard. So that's essentially Ooh. that's everything. Everything. Yeah. Are there are there uh, any kind of protocol limitations there? Deployment limitations? Uh, I know on the SQL Server side we had some exceptions around. Well, we support these. We don't support those. You know, we, we had to make some choices. Uh, more or less, is it uh, the same? The same patterns as far as you know? For instance, can I put? Uh, an Oracle database inside of VMDK on top of VSC. Since the VSC integration is part of Snap Center, that will will it just leverage the VSC plugin and the Oracle plugin and quiesce that all the way through the stack? You nailed it. Yeah, uh, Snap Center 1.1 integrates with VSC 6.2, so we get that integration with our VSC backup and recovery, and that allows us to support Oracle running on VMDKs. So there aren't any protocol limitations that I'm aware of. Uh, SQL, you did mention, today we can't support SQL on SMB. That's the only limitation on the SQL side. So on Oracle, we can do NFS, we can do iSCSI, we can do FCP. It doesn't matter, right? Bingo. What about PNFS? Mm. That's not there yet. It might be, actually. Mm. It's not there yet. Okay. PNFS, Oracle, not there yet. Okay. Getting there. Getting there. Getting there. Yeah, DNFS, yes. PNFS, yes. no. DNFS, yes. Okay. That's Oracle's PNFS... Analog. One of these analog. One, one of these days, I'm going to have to get you to explain to me the difference between those, all all that stuff because to me, it just seems like uh, they took one spec, changed one tiny little value, and said totally different thing. Well, you see, a P has a longer line at the bottom. <laughs> well, it's just flipped around. It's just a D with a longer line. So we've got <clears throat> full support for all features inside uh, Oracle and full support for uh, all protocols inside Data on Tap. Of course, you know, as, as, as we said the first time we brought you in, John, you know, that the backup's the easy part. It's, if, for us, that's table stakes. We just kind of get that out of the way so that we can get to the actual fun stuff. Uh, can, you, can you talk to us about some of those actual integrations that we've got on top of just being able to back the thing up? Yep. As you mentioned, backup's the easy stuff. So we absolutely support cloning and restore from both primary and secondary locations. So SnapCenter's able to automatically update your SnapMirror or SnapVault uh, transfer after taking the snapshot copy. So you'll be able to clone, again, when you open a cloning wizard or a restore wizard, gives you an option, primary or secondary. And if you're running like an Oracle rack node, it would present to you the different uh, members of the uh, cluster, and you'd be able to select from the dropdown which cluster member you wanted to clone to or restore to. Ooh. Does that, uh, in the case of a snap fault destination, is that going to be a single file uh, restore? Do you know? Not at this time, but if you're using Oracle 12C, one of the new features of Oracle 12C is pluggable databases, and we'll be able to support the restore or cloning of specific pluggable databases. Andrew, you're shaking your head. You knew about this? Pluggable databases are they're, they're neat stuff. Uh, I was I worked at Oracle when 12C was released, so it, it's it's interesting stuff. 
Yeah, and essentially you go to do a restore operation, you select pluggable databases, and there's a, a drop-down type of head box, and you select which of the pluggable databases you want to restore from the drop-down. Just hit next, and we'll complete that uh, restore operation. So if we're restoring off a SnapVault destination, how do we do that today? Is that a copy op uh, off the destination, or are we, are we synchronizing the snapshot back and then running the restore? If we're not, if we're not doing a single file on demand, how, how are we actually doing that? Do you know? He's looking in detail at his slide at the moment. Yeah, I was actually looking to see if SMO today supports uh, restore cloning from secondary. I'm not absolutely, because uh, I am not an SMO guy. Well, I know. Snap Creator guy. I'm talking about so, Snap Creator, though. Oh, you're talking about Snap Center. But, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I got bit by the snaps. Well, they both have the SC acronym, which, you know, managing both products confuses us constantly. Uh, yeah, I'm not an SMO guy, so I don't know how they manage today uh, restore from secondary or if, if they do. But I know Snap, Snap Center absolutely uh, can handle that, no problem. So, so John, looking over your shoulder here at the, uh, at the slide that you have up, which is a, an extremely dense but at the same time very usable slide. I have to, I don't know who created that. If, that, if that's your product manager slide, that that's is, the product an, that is an slide. awesome yeah, slide. It's a great slide. Who's your PM, great. man? Anand. Anand Raghunathan. Anand? Yeah. yeah. Great job with this slide. Yeah, no so, kidding. Uh, that it, is really good. <laughs> No, can, can so one of the features that I, I think we sort of barely touched on, um, can you elaborate on the flexible DB layouts that's listed there? Because that's a change, if I'm not misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> no. Uh, so from, from my understanding, uh, flexible database layouts essentially means that we can support, say, your data on NFS and your logs on iSCSI. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. Uh, it also says that you can have some files that, that, that perhaps aren't on us, and we just won't back those up. That, that's okay. Yeah, big, one of the big features that we have you know, in, in that area is your archive logs, for example. Maybe your Oracle archive logs, you're storing them in some other storage, or you're storing them, you know, maybe you're storing them on E-series. Uh, at your restore, your cloning time, we will allow you to specify an external archive log location. So you can point to those even if they're not on NetApp, and that will allow us to do the roll forward of your logs. So, so John, um, you know, I, I like Oracle as much as anybody else. Um, in case you can't see me, I'm shaking my head a little bit. Um, I, I was a DBA. I don't tell many people this. I was a DBA a long, long time ago for Oracle, and uh, it, it has... It's great at what it does. It has some challenges. So I admire any Oracle DBA that's out there. Um, but I'm a virtualization guy at heart, and I know that when we released VSC 6.2, uh, I think two weeks ago, maybe maybe three weeks ago now, um, there was some changes in what the potential integration there was. Right, we're basically waiting on 1.1. So can you can you elaborate on some of the changes that happened there? Yeah. So for VSC 6.2, the primary changes for SnapCenter itself is the integration with the Oracle database. So now SnapCenter and VSC can talk together, and that allows us to support. Oracle environments running on VMDKs. But for VSC 6.2 itself, and you may more, know more about this than I do, Andrew, uh, one of the biggest changes itself was the inclusion of the VASA provider. Uh, VSC 6.1 did not have VASA provider 6.0 as part of it, but we've included the VASA provider as part of VSC 6.2. And then as, as a reminder for you guys, uh, integrating with SnapCenter, there's, there's multiple benefits for our VSC admins. If you are a database person, this gives you that capability of supporting your database environments on a VMDK, which is great. But if you're a virtualization admin and you've been using VSC for years, you still may want you still may want to consider using VSC because what that enables you to do is leverage the SnapCenter database. And by leveraging that database, you can create policies within VSC and reuse those policies in your VSC environment. So you could create like a daily policy, an hourly policy, and a weekly policy, and just create backup jobs that leverages those policies as opposed to creating a whole lot of different backup jobs. Yeah, I've found the the SnapCenter integration to be really friendly, right? One, it's not terribly complicated, um, but it, it makes creating those schedules, and particularly if you have a number of data stores, reusing those things, right? Yeah, one of the other big changes that this enables is with VSC, you're no longer using the XML file format that we've been using for a long time. Since you're using that SnapCenter database, you can leverage that database with VSC. So that allows increased scalability of your VSC environments. Yeah. And then it also enables you to restore from SnapVault, which is a new capability with the SnapCenter integration. Yeah, if you've got uh, 400 VMs inside VSC and, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you got a couple weeks worth of snapshots configured and you're wondering why when you click the restore tab, it, we, we sit there for a minute before we're ready to, to, to get on that. 
uh, that that's that's the result of storing that that data in a flat file instead of a database that we can query. Um, so so absolutely larger environments. Uh, I'd almost think that that transition's mandatory given how much better it actually works in the real world. So to that end, John, uh, another another integration kind of kind of correlated off to the side. SnapCenter is one of these interesting products. Like when we first brought you in, it was very easy to comprehend. We were able to walk through just about every single dialog box that was in the thing. And one release later, now that we've exploded the matrix out to support N platforms instead of SQL Server, it's already getting just a little bit too much for us to really wrap around everything that's in this product. But uh, one of the things that, that, that was a big deal with, with, with the first conversation uh, was the granularity and, and our capabilities around RBAC, since we were dealing with an HTML5 common interface that, that had to service all these different roles. Uh, have we done anything else in, in that area to, to improve that experience? Yeah, since 1.0, we actually did several changes as far as usability goes to the role-based access control at SnapCenter. We've actually made it a lot easier for users to add in users, add in groups to both permissions and roles and resources. So we want to simplify that effort so you can either use a pre-existing role or create your own role. And once you assign somebody to a role, you can then assign them to a particular host, a particular plugin, a particular SVM. So we really have a lot of granularity. What about like a volume? Could I, could I create a account called Bob and a volume called Bob and a database called Bob and just delegate all of those things to the same person and give them full control of those resources and nothing else? So in 1.0 and 1.1, we're managing things primarily at the database level. Okay. So at the database level, you could absolutely have a database called Bob, and only Bob could access, manage, clone that database. You could either give him the option to restore or not give him the option to restore. It's pretty granular as far as that goes. But it is at the database level, gotcha. meaning that we can't give them particular yeah. access to the uh, volumes or LUNs at this point. But ask me that question again when I come back. Okay. Well, well, I hear it's going to be six months from now. It should is be that... about six months from now. Six months? Okay. Well, and there'll be PowerShell. There better be PowerShell or we're <laughs> going to fight. Okay. You're allowed to come in here and announce Python support. You're not allowed to come in here and announce that you cut PowerShell support. That, that You're not leaving the room if that happens. But the funny thing is I joke about PowerShell, but you know we've just added a Linux host support. That, that doesn't... PowerShell runs there too, eventually. <laughs> But what we've done for today... It's going to have to a SQL on Linux. But what we've done for today in 1.1 is there is a command line available for people that are using hosts. Oh, really? It uses the exact same commands as the PowerShell commandlet. So if you use the commandlet, the same command looks mighty similar on the Oracle side. If you're running on that Linux host, you can run very similar sounding commands at the CLI. How similar? Is it literally the same command with, like... Well, I can't, I can't say, but looking at it, they look pretty much exactly the same to me. I can't say they're exactly the same, but... Well, there you go, man, Justin. They look it. Uh, NetApp has officially shipped PowerShell on Linux. Hey! It's not actually PowerShell. No. It's PowerShell <laughs> Linux Lite. PowerShell Linux. looking. PowerShell looking. You know, at the end of the day... It, Listen, we, we, we developed the, the, the command line interfaces. We developed the GUI plugins. Uh, we've got the RBAC interface. There's a lot of stuff uh, from a portal perspective and from a management perspective that, that we directly own. Long term, the only thing that this team produces that's really going to make a difference is their REST endpoint. And that thing is rock solid stable. So in, that's why we're comfortable joking about the REST. Yeah, absolutely. And keep in mind now, what are we allowing you to do with SnapCenter? With SnapCenter 1.1, we are allowing you, from a centralized interface, to support SQL environments and Oracle databases from one console. You can back up, you can clone, you can recover from primary, from secondary, and across the data fabric, you can go out to your cloud. Cloud on top is supported, so you're able to, just like the Insight demo that some of you may have seen from this last year, you can create your snapshot on primary and snap mirror or snap bolt out that out to a cloud instance. What about on tap edge? It's still on tap. It's yeah. still on tap. Yeah. I gotta add so is cloud on tap. Yeah. I believe it's all You mentioned it's cloud on top. On yeah. I just wanted to be thorough. Yep. Yep. Qualified, supported as far as I know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that stuff does uh our yeah. Our product integration uh is is with as you know, you know, data on tap itself, not not the, the platform that it runs on. Um, outstanding, man. You know, I not quite the plugin that I was excited to talk about, but that's okay. This one's pretty important too. Um, Oracle isn't exactly my cup of tea, as you may guess, being a Microsoft guy, but it is incredibly important. There's not a single customer that we talk to 
that doesn't have the portion of their business running somewhere in an Oracle database of some kind. Uh, that it seems like just absolutely everybody's got at least one of these things that 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 is, as I said, it is the business. If this thing goes, then they lose everything. Um, so that 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 level of integration and making that manageable, not just from the data protection perspective, because you know whatever it's it's a data protection product, but it's really the cloning functionality. Like if if you've got large database sets that that you're trying to develop and get business intelligence out of and and make decisions with, get into data driven decision making, the ability to get zero cost copies of that data and just play with it is invaluable. It really is, man. That that's that's the thing that changes uh, from from a development cycle perspective. It's the same thing. That, that technologies such as containers are tapping into. Uh, it's the same core capability, only delivered in a very, very, very different way. And that's the part of Snap Center that I'm excited, regardless of what the plug-in is, because that capability is always there. Yeah, I had a, had a customer in the EBC the other day that was, you know, they're new to NetApp, and they were telling me one of their pain points was they have a, an Oracle DBA that wanted a three-terabyte database cloned every three days. And he said, man, this is such a pain in the butt for us. It takes up so much of our time. And I was like... Yeah, we, we definitely got to talk because yeah. I can show you how to not only make this easier on yourself, but, hey, do you want to offload that entirely to your DBA? Let yeah. them self-clone, self-manage it? Absolutely. And guess what? You can get reports on it. You can get logs on it all from the same centralized console. Or just schedule it. Just let the thing just, just refresh itself and not even think about it, right? I've, I've heard plenty of stories where people will buy, whether it's Snap Manager or Snap Center, the product just for that capability. They don't even care about the backup and restore part. That's nice. It's the cloning that really is the powerful piece there. Yeah, and you know it's 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 somewhat unfortunate um, because, uh, in some ways, the application stacks are getting advanced enough that that some of this capability is being foreshadowed if you use it, right? So if you got a rack deployment, you don't care about our ability to restore an individual database per se, unless you're dealing with administrative error or, or you know a human being malicious intent. Uh, because the the application stack is going to handle that for you. Lose a whole rack, who cares? You got another one somewhere else, and it's just going to continue trucking with that with that workload. But there, that's not everything. And in fact, you know, I mentioned that that just about every business we we work with, they've got a portion of their business that's sitting in this Oracle database, and everything's there. Not all those databases are the ones that are like rack, highly, highly, highly available, super sophisticated. It's kind of alarming how many of them are just sitting inside a VMDK, inside vSphere, not even on a separate drive, just literally installed on the same disk as the operating system. Um, and, and in those cases, array-based restores start to make a pretty big difference when you take a look at total downtime. Uh, so it's not... We shouldn't completely gloss over it. it. It is absolutely a critical capability that 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 originally is responsible for me liking NetApp. Right, that this was the core capability. I watched it bring back a uh, several hundred gigabyte exchange data store uh, that that otherwise would have been a couple weeks of pulling off tape, and was a little bit dumbfounded uh, the first time I saw it happen. You know that. That core capability, in my mind, is still super, super, super important. It's just not unique. Oh, like, yeah. there, there's a lot of ways to get that these days. The CI/CD workflows that is unique. That that is bleeding edge. That 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 is worth us spending a little bit more time talking about, just to make sure that customers think about it. You know, if you're if 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 you're a partner out there driving to work today, and you and you got a you, you got a shop later on, you're going to go in there and talk to them about their Oracle in, installation. If they're copying data. For any reason, you need to have this conversation with them. Even if their DBAs are, no, we handle it. We just want LUNs. It's our responsibility. Stay in your box. Like that, we, It's 2016, folks. We're trying to get a man on Mars and get a plan B for humanity. We don't have time for this stuff. Yeah, and as part of those cloning workflows, we also enable the capability not only to run any kind of custom scripting command throughout that workflow, we can also automate SQL queries. So if you're creating a clone of your Oracle database and then you need to run some sort of a data scrub or data scramble activity, you can call that right as part of your clone activity. Have that thing scheduled. Run it as you need it. Yeah, particularly for like banks, right? Clone, go ahead, clone that bank and then scrub all those account numbers so they're not actually real. But the transactions are, just the account numbers aren't. Very, very, very common use case. All right, John. Uh, anything else that, that you feel that we should bring up uh, in regards to Snap Center 1.1? 1 
Well, that should be available by the time you guys are hearing this podcast. Check out 1.1. Hey, one of the new features that are out there is in the very bottom of Snap Center. If you find yourself using it, there's a little envelope-looking icon. Click it. You can send feedback straight to the product team. doesn't go to the support guys. goes, goes to right to John team. Spinks. goes right to John Spinks. goes to my product manager so we can see your feedback. Uh, you know, some of the feedback we were getting from the account teams was, you know, we really don't want to harass you guys by asking for so many features so often. But, hey, I love it because yeah. it gives me so much more firepower to be able to go into the engineering team and say, hey, we have a re- customer requesting this feature. Guess what? That gets a lot more attention. That gets prioritized as opposed to me saying, hey, you know, this would be really nice. Of course, yeah. I can yeah. say customer says, wow, that we can get that into the product a lot faster. Well, and it should, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know, if, if, if we have excess engineering sitting around with, with excess capacity, sure, let's go, let's go chase an idea and see whether or not this can make a difference. But if we've got a customer that's telling us, hey, if you do this, this can make a difference, absolutely we should do that first. That's just common sense. Yep. So, all right. So simple stuff. Uh, the dashboard's there where you can see all your reports real easy. We've added a clone savings report so you can get a quick look at, hey, just how much are you saving using NetApp? And, of course, the online help throughout Snap Center is contextual-based. So wherever you are in Snap Center, hit the help button. It's going to pop up help that's relevant to you. Is, there, I, is there a lab on demand for this? There will be a lab on demand shortly. I'm polishing it now. I actually spent most of today reviewing the lab guide and commenting it up. So it's not available to you now. Uh, so any partners that are listening should be able to access that soon. Uh, unfortunately, that's not available what to about customers Snap except 1.0? for uh, you know, in, events like Insight. Uh, SnapCenter 1.0 is absolutely out there and available for people to use in Lab On Demand. Excellent. So if you want to at least kick the tires on SnapCenter, it's out there. It's also on the VMworld Hands-On Lab from last year, which is accessible by anybody, not just uh, partners and employees. Well, there you go. Yeah, the big thing we're doing with the Lab On Demand, for since you brought it up, is you know we're creating one massive SnapCenter environment that's going to support SQL, it's going to support Oracle, it's going to support VSC. So from the same environment, we're just going to spin off three different lab guides. So somebody could optionally spin up one lab, download all three lab guides, and then go through this one giant environment that supports everything. Ooh, I love that idea. Uh, that Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, when I install the product, am I still greeted by your, your friendly face and voice? You are, but now with seven different videos, because one of my main pain points and complaint was we had one large video that people listened to about two minutes and said, what is this guy talking about? And change the channel. Uh, now, what we've done with that getting started page is you click on one of the little items, it pops open a separate window. So if you navigate away, it doesn't yeah. lose your place. And it either has the option of just listing the steps to complete, or you can watch a, a shorter video that talks in sometimes a little bit more detail about the steps and shows you how to do it. But it is my lovely voice. I did have a cold when it was going through, so it, I can hear it, but nobody else has complained. <laughs> hey, hey, man, uh, listen, I've been a product team before. This is one of those things that you guys are doing that I'm super interested in and, and, and how it works and, and how the customers respond to it. Like, is this – I I write 700-page documents for a living sometimes still. I'm tired is, of writing 700-page documents. Well, so. I'm, starting, <laughs> I'm really starting to look around just like, is anyone actually reading this or is this just a waste of everyone's time? That's a debate for another show. Absolutely is. John, before we let you out of here, there's one question we got to ask. Justin's looking at the timer going, man, i got a lot of podcasts to edit. Um, what's coming in the next release, man? What are we going to talk about in six months? Six months is going to be a super exciting release. And as Justin said earlier, I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you. So once we go offline here, I can certainly talk about it. Or if any of you are customers under NDA or partners, you know, reach out to me. Happy to give you a roadmap overview, but... Can't share too much. How, can they, how can they find you? How can they reach you? They can reach me at my email address, which is spinks at netup.com. S-P is in Paul, I-N-K-S, at netup.com, or at J.B. Spinks on Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, definitely the Twitter. So you're the Clippy of SnapCenter. I am indeed the Clippy of SnapCenter. At least I'm not the Microsoft Bob of SnapCenter. That's low. That's, that's <laughs> real low. That, that, that. Okay, on that, you want to... Uh... <laughs> All right, so um, also if you want to ask questions about SnapCenter or anything else, hit us up at podcast at netup.com. We don't have anything this week. Nobody we didn't sent get, any questions. Yeah, we didn't get any this week. Uh, yeah. Andrew and I went through and answered all the open ones we had last week, uh, and uh, we, ha- we didn't get any new ones. Well, send them in. We'll, we'll take a look at them. We'll play the uh, answers on the air here, and then we'll send you some swag of some sort. Um, so podcast at netup.com. 
All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team and Mr. John Spinks, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, guys. See you again in six months. Hey, did anybody see that uh, oh, yeah. the Solid Fire PowerShell guys have an Easter egg hunt going on? I did not see that. Yeah. If you go and check out their GitHub site, they've got a whole bunch of Easter eggs that they added in, and you can win some sort of prize. I think a BB-8. Wow. Is it just socks getting off on this? I'm sure if you oh, ask, yeah. they'll include some socks. Yeah, you don't need to, to hunt for Easter eggs to get socks. BB-8 doesn't have any legs, so... Sure, he is kind of an Easter egg, too. Yeah.